We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The KC Sports Network live postgame show is about to begin. KC Sports Network is the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. Millions of views, millions of podcast downloads, and the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network of 2022. KCSN is where you want to be for news, commentary, and analysis with a collective perspective on the Kansas City Chiefs that can't be found anywhere else. With more than 15 hosts, analysts, and former players you've watched play putting out nearly 20 shows per week, KCSN is a network for today's fan. Now, it's time for the KCSN Live Postgame Show. Here's BJ Kissel. The Kansas City Chiefs survived the Denver Broncos 27-24 to in the Arrowhead regular season finale. What's up, everybody? I'm Kent Swanson here with Maddie Lane. Craig Stout celebrating yet another Chiefs victory. 13-3 would be the record if this was a 16-game season. 5,000 yards for Patrick LeVon. Mahomes would be the benchmark if it was a 16-game season. There's still time to play. There's one more to play. The Chiefs' hopes of a one seed are still alive. Uh, barely. Matthew Lane, Craig Stout are here. Maddie, hi. What a game. <laughs> never a doubt. Just absolutely <laughs> never a doubt at any point in time doing this one. Uh, it was a it was a it was a game, huh? Like yeah. so many times, so many times we're sitting here and I'm like, okay, that, that's gonna do it. That's gonna break the Broncos. There's no way they come back from that. This is the end, so on and so forth. And you know, to their credit, they kept they kept clawing back. They kept clawing back with you know interim head coach. You know all this stuff. It was it was a sweater. It was a sweater for a game that Chiefs should have should have won a lot easier than they did. Yeah, absolutely the case, um, guys. Ejero Evero is a hell of a defensive coordinator. This is the second time that he's come out against Patrick Mahomes and made second half adjustments that have absolutely killed the Chiefs' offense and his effectivity. Obviously, the injuries didn't help. We hope it's good news for Sky Moore, good news for Joe Tooney going into the playoffs here. But 
it, it, Patrick Mahomes looked rattled in the second half after basically lighting the Denver Broncos defense on fire in the first half. So second time that this has happened, Evero is a hell of a defensive coordinator, made it a lot tighter game, especially with once again, turnover issues and teams issues. Just uh, you hate to say it again because we've been saying it all year long and it just kind of sucks that they cropped up here at the end of the season yet again. Craig was so close to saying Thuny. Did you hear that? Nope. <laughs> Joe Tooney. Tooney. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot of different things to cover about this football team. Um, Stay true to yourself, Craig. Special teams, defense, uh, some moments on the offensive side of the ball. Just just a really ugly performance, an ugly win, which I'm not I'm not going to get too beat up about. Uh, uh, but there's so many things that if you were going to look at, hey, how does this team lose? in January. Hey, it's January. So, you know, there's it's January guys, but if they're going to lose in, you know, if they're going to lose in the playoffs, what are some of the fatal flaws of this football team? I think some of them showed up a little bit today. Um, but, and we'll, we'll get to all those things. There's plenty of, of things that we need to cover and discuss. I don't think we should lead the show with the defense or the special teams though. And we're not even going to lead with the 10 minute lull of offensive struggles on the football uh, or on the offensive side of the football. I think we just need to at least start with the fact that in 16 games, Patrick Mahomes has achieved 5,000 yards. He has achieved 40 touchdowns. He has cemented himself as the MVP of this league. And I think it just, I don't know if it's necessarily in a, a Mahomes appreciation to start this game, but it is a little bit of, hey, look, um, yes, there's all these fatal flaws, but this team runs on the guy that is, uh, the clear-cut MVP who just threw for 328 yards to break 5,000 yards, 29 of 42, 328 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, one red zone interception was pretty pretty bad. But I let's just start with let's start with that. Let's lead it off the top. We'll get into some of the other things that are worthy of breaking things down. But let's just add a little positivity before we get out of here. Well, okay, we're appreciating Patrick Mahomes having a great season. Yes, fully here, fully here for that. Um, you know, this extra game is going to make all these NFL records and things kind of weird, kind of crazy going forward. I think, you know, here in five more years, nobody will care. Like it'll no longer be a thing. It's just, we're so close to the change happening that every record that is broken for the next couple seasons is going to be like, Oh, well, was it in 16 games, 17 games? Like what, what happened? How did it happen? So it was good, I guess, to get it done with an extra game. So you don't have to deal with any of that in terms of, you know, crossing 5,000 yards. Technically, he's still on pace to get Drew Brees' I believe record as long as you know it's within reach for this final game. Um, so like there's it's all good. That's all good. It kind of stinks that it comes on a game where I think he was throwing one of his worst footballs of the season. Like he was just not throwing the football very well in this game. So like we want to appreciate how good he has been for the entire season, but we're doing it kind of on the back of a game where some of his mistakes were a huge reason this game was even close in the first place. So it's like, it's a little bittersweet when it comes to that. And I know that's not what we're trying to do right now, but it's, it's hard to separate this performance from his season long performance in this situation coming right after the game. I mean, you look at the season long numbers. Let's, let's, let's start with that. This is the 13th highest in a 16 game season of, of all time. So, I mean, just that alone is impressive, you know, putting up the yards that he is. And obviously, if you take out Tom Brady's last year, there's 2021 year with the extra game there. Now, all of a sudden, you're talking about a guy that's, you know, 
uh, roughly around you know, the the 12 spot, the, the 11 spot. That's a hell of a season, regardless of how you slice it. So uh, an overall good year for him. He was slicing and dicing for the first three or four drives. Like, he really looked so good. This pass to Justin Watson was on a dime. Pass to Kadarius Tony downfield. You saw more of the vertical game kind of get involved with the Chiefs offense, and that was good. Patrick Mahomes was good in those scenarios early. It was just kind of the middle part of that game where it faded a little bit. Where MVS is wide open. Like a couple of times has his man beat. Patrick Mahomes can't find him. You, you've got guys downfield. Patrick Mahomes can't find him. That, that's maybe the, the spot of a little concern there because the Chiefs are ending up playing a lot of these close games. And we'll, we'll get to why with defense, special teams, turnovers, things like that. But you have to hit on the opportunities when you are. We've been talking about it for weeks having to be almost perfect on offense. And they certainly weren't perfect on offense. They squeak out a win today. That's fine. It's a really good defense that allowed 190 yards per game through the air and less than a touchdown through the air. So don't don't look at this and say, oh, man, you know, Patrick Mahomes is awful this game. It's 328, three touchdowns. Like, that's well above what the Broncos are averaging. It just sucks because so much of that came so early And so it leaves kind of a bad taste in your mouth watching the rest of that, watching some of those misses. You hope that that sort of thing gets cleaned up. I know we've been waiting all year long. It hasn't really. But the early stuff where they were able to get vertical, make some explosive plays through Kadarius Toney, Justin Watson, a little bit through MVS, those were good. Those were really good. Those are positive things for this Chiefs offense. Patrick Patrick Mahomes completed passes to 11 different receivers. Four of them had completions over... 20 yards uh so patrick mahomes also had a six yard completion to patrick mahomes on the day what can't this guy do um running game not particularly strong 16 carries 46 yards we'll get into that a little bit i'm sure at some point here but okay we've 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 spent a little bit time talking about hey look mahomes does big things five thousand yards 40 touchdowns on the season all that stuff good stuff we got some positivity out of the way all right Time to go to the other side of some things because there's plenty to address and some issues that this team had today against a very bad, lifeless football team. Uh, well, not, maybe not so lifeless. They got absolutely embarrassed last week uh, by Baker Mayfield uh, and the Los Angeles Rams. I, I repeat, Baker Mayfield and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, that game was uh, it was 51 to 12, I believe. They were pathetic. It cost Nathaniel Hackett his job. So the, the Broncos come in. Um, and you know they fight they respond as you know as as some teams do they fight when the when the head coach gets fired and that's what happened today but even though the denver broncos fought today the issues were not the denver broncos just being not sizably better it was the chiefs self-inflicting a lot of of things and we'll start with the turnovers we'll start with the we'll start with the mahomes turnover he turns the ball over in the red zone trying to fit a ball to Justin Watson for some reason. Uh, and Justin Simmons makes a fantastic play uh, to close out and stall a Chiefs drive with zero points. That was kind of the start of what turned this game into a very, well, we could talk about the extra point too, but mm-hmm. I, I think that was kind of the, 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 the catalyst for this game getting weird, this game getting gross for the team. Probably. Yeah, when you track it back, the Chiefs have this interception, so they come away with zero points, and then they force a punt, 
and they're going to have what seems should be relatively good field position. And then, you know, during the punt, Kadarius Tony does fumble the ball and that leads to a quick Denver Broncos score. So yeah, like that was, that was certainly the start of it. Um, at that point though, the chiefs offense was still playing fine. I mean, everything was fine. They had two long drives, one of which resulted in a touchdown. One, they did end up having to punt. I mean, it was on fourth and one after they tried to throw the ball on third down. There's no real complaints from the offense up to that point. It got into the red zone. It stalled out on two passes that still hit wide receivers' hands, right? Like, neither, either both of them would have been not like super hard catches, but not like run of the mill catches either. Juju Smith Schuster was kind of laying out for one on a great pass from Patrick Mahomes. He couldn't quite bring it in. Then Mahomes threw a back shoulder ball when MVS wanted it to be high in the air and he wasn't able to bring it in. But like either one of those plays are made and like, we're not talking anything about this. And those were both very makeable plays by your wide receiver one and wide receiver two. So up to this point, it's not like the offense was struggling at all. It was a very bad decision to try to throw the ball to Justin Watson. I don't know if he didn't see Justin Simmons. I, I don't know what the rationale there was. That one was really, really bad. Like there was, I can't even buy a logic. Even in the first game against the Broncos, there was three interceptions. You could find the logic to each one. I don't see a logic in this one. It was just a bad, bad play. And so, yeah, I mean, that was the start of things going down, but I mean, still the Chiefs offense rebounded pretty well shortly thereafter this. Like, I don't think that was much of a tipping point for the offense at all. It was just a bad play. It was a bad play, and uh, he, they still got it going a little bit. I love that the defensive response was to force a punt there. Like, that's that's a great job in that scenario. It's something that we haven't seen a ton, you know, as I wrote about on KCSN Daily. I've been covering how the Chiefs defense plays after turnovers, and so to see them come up with a punt is great. And then they're pinned on their 16-yard line, you know, by a muffed punt and allow a touchdown immediately on a Russell Wilson scramble. So completely kind of nullifies the fact that they came up with that stop. And those are the things that they can't do this year. You saw last week, Chiefs win fairly comfortably against the Seattle Seahawks because they're not turning the ball over. It just seems like every time, the Chiefs get out in front of themselves a little bit, turn the ball over once or twice. It just seems like things start to avalanche the other way. It, it really is a momentum crusher. And I know people say, how oh, momentum's not real in football and things like that. It just feels like it in these scenarios. We see too often the Chiefs get in these scenarios where they're dealing, things are moving great, everything is going their way, and then a couple of small mistakes turn into big mistakes, turn into quarter-long you know, basically sections where the offense isn't moved the ball, things aren't going the Chiefs' way, the Chiefs' defense all of a sudden doesn't come up with the stops that you want them to in those scenarios. It just, it kind of avalanches against the Chiefs. Now, on the day, Chiefs' defense comes up with two interceptions or two turnovers of their own, completely mitigating that, which is good. You know, those were absolutely needed on that. We haven't seen as much of that this season as, you know, the Chiefs' defense has is ranked near the bottom in turnovers but this offense and the special teams can't quit or can't keep putting the Chiefs defense in these scenarios it's happening far too often now we're approaching last year's level of turnovers and that was one where they basically went through and gutted the entire offense and receiving core because of all of the turnovers and this isn't one where you know you can point at one individual or one thing that's happening it's just kind of all over Thanks, everybody's watching right now. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Leave comments. Tell us how you're feeling about this game. It just helps us grow the channel. We're uh, 
we're you know we're going to be hanging out here for a little bit uh do have a quick uh announcement just for you guys uh join us for an exclusive watch party on sunday january 8th at holiday distillery in Weston, Missouri, for the Chiefs versus Raiders matchup. The watch party will begin an hour before kickoff and extend till after the game is over. If you and a friend are interested, okay, you, you can you can plus one if you'd like, and there is limited spots. Uh, there's a link in the description to sign up for this really fun party. The Holiday Distillery is a lot of fun. They have a beautiful uh, venue out there um it's it's absolutely great so we we've got a, a few spots remaining for a watch party for next week's game so um just go if you want to sign up there's a little comment or there's a link in the description of this show uh you you should have some time uh but make sure you're make sure you're taking advantage of it you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in kansas city kc sports network we'll be back right after this We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So yeah, we've talked a little bit about the turnovers here. We've got the we've got the we've got the uh, Kadarius Tony tour. We've got the Patrick Mahomes uh, interception. Talk about the. Do you want to go defense or special teams next, Matthew? What do you want to do next? I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier. I just want to really touch on it. You mentioned earlier, like fatal flaws for this team going into the playoffs, right? I don't know if you see any coming directly out of this game because I don't know how much of this game you you take away from that, right? You're going into the playoffs. You're going to be a good team. The offense, I still think, performed relatively well. I don't know how much of this game is going to impact them going forward. So you look at what the Chiefs did. They came out and they got some of their heavy personnel packages going. We eventually see them hit Blake Bell on a touchdown out of 13 personnel with Justin Watson in there. That's about as big of the personnel package the Chiefs can get. They found a way to score a red zone touchdown and not like a short one, out of that that package. They had a couple plays in the first half that were coming out of these heavier personnel packages. We talked about it going into this game. 
that's something that they are going to be working on these last two weeks. I don't think that they're overly concerned with putting together their best game scripts against the Broncos yeah. and then next week against the Raiders. They're trying to perfect certain parts of situational football for the playoffs. So the fact that I can pick out three or four plays out of heavy personnel that were pretty good, the fact that we can pick out I mean, a good handful of vertical stretch plays where guys were open and either the pass was just slightly errant or the ball was completely overthrown or a wide receiver just couldn't bring it in. These are good things. These are good signs. These are things that I think the Chiefs are coming into this game worried a lot more about correcting those things and they are making sure they beat the Broncos. They'll find a way to beat the Broncos once the game starts. It's they're trying to make sure they're the best team they can be going forward. So I think there was plenty of positives for that. I don't see, I mean, turnovers are always going to be a fatal flaw. Penalties are always going to be a fatal flaw. But from a scheme perspective, from the actual personnel and their execution, I didn't see anything like that that was alarming. In fact, I come out of this game feeling a little better about them going forward because I do think they were scheming some stuff open. So I like seeing that. Like, I know the score doesn't look great. Watching it, it was a little nerve-wracking. But I like some of the stuff they showed on the offensive side of the ball going forward. And they didn't execute it all perfectly. But the thought process, the, the scheming, the play calling was all right there. And if you look at some of like, if you, if you're doing a heat map on where some of that vertical stuff was happening, it's actually outside the numbers. Mm -hmm. And that's something yeah. I think that's encouraging too, is continuing to show some ability outside the numbers. And they did some things that they haven't typically done. You know, like I know it was kind of a little bit second reaction from Mahomes, but that back kind of threw a back shoulder to Kadarius Tony who went up and made a play on the football. Uh, I think, you know, they, even the MVS play, it was an outside the numbers throw. So they're trying to hit some of that stuff. Uh, there because you know they've, they have a lot of success in the middle of the field they always have with Andy Reid offenses but it does seem like they're getting some opportunities and getting a little bit trying to become a little bit more explosive a little bit more intentional outside the numbers and there were some bright spots in that regard today yeah I'm, Mahomes wants the one to MVS back right but I mean they're still and that's that's one of those plays that potentially you know blows this game you know blows this game open as well so um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Maddie. I think there was some positive in that regard with some of that, some very intentional, specific things within this offense that maybe we haven't seen for the entirety of it. And G Burns right there. I was going to jump in here. The screen game continues to be a massive positive for this team. Uh, Jerry McKinnon catches two more touchdowns. That's seven in five games, eight on the season, breaks the Jamal Charles and Kareem Hunt record for receiving touchdowns by a running back. I mean, uh, an awesome job by him. He's clearly kind of a clutch guy here in the red zone as you know the Denver Broncos and other teams decide that they're going to blitz Patrick Mahomes and try and come up with a big stop. That is just too easy. It, it really is too easy for the Chiefs coming from that regard. But I also want to shout out Sky Moore getting a lot more run. And honestly, I think he was going to get a lot more run in this game if he hadn't come up with a, a hand injury is what they're calling it. Looks like it might be a wrist of some. You know, it, we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But Sky Moore was getting a lot of run and getting targets. And it wasn't just manufactured touches. He was getting routes. He was getting looks. He was running more with the first team. There was one that they tried to hit him on a wheel route where they actually had Sky Moore and Isaiah Pacheco lined up in a two-back set on either side of Patrick Mahomes. That stuff, again, like Maddie's talking about there, that's stuff that as this game, as the season goes along, they're working stuff. They're still trying to get some looks in, get some repetitions in, and that that's a great one. You know, Sky Moore, Denver Broncos did a great job of sniffing that out. By the way, he's he's able to rotate over and find the pass. I believe it was uh, I believe it was a check down to whoever that was, but. 
it's good looks like that and a show of intentionality to try and get more looks for guys like Sky Moore, get more looks out of this heavy personnel, get more looks to Jet McKinnon on some of the screen game stuff that is just going to make this offense that much more successful as they get into this stuff. I know that we're all worried about, hey, is this team, the team plays like this against the Cincinnati Bengals, against the Buffalo Bills, against whoever in the playoffs, what's going to happen? What's going to, how's this going to go down? Andy Reid's game plan is a lot different when they get into those scenarios than it is playing against the Denver Broncos here on this game. So I think that we're seeing a lot more of the offense building. I think that we are actually, this gives me some hope that we're going to see some more sky more in the playoffs and some more Kadarius Tony in the playoffs. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. So uh, positives in that regard on offense, because uh, the chiefs needed to find some more options, especially in the past couple of weeks when some of the receivers have let them down. Big days for Kadarius Tony, a good day for Sky Moore. That's all positive for the Chiefs offense. Hey, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you are watching this. Uh, Chiefs also able just to execute with the plays that they have in their bag pretty pretty frequently. Uh, that touchdown to Jarek McKinnon uh, is their money play when they see uh, any kind of man pressure in the red zone. They throw a little cross have a cross release uh to Eric McKinnon behind the bunch that's just kind of running all in breaking routes creating traffic for the backer to try to get over the top they hit that one too some good execution there in the red zone some good, I mean there, there were some good moments on the offensive side of the ball I will you know it's it's not all bad didn't run the ball very much uh 16 carries 46 runs didn't really run it all that effectively but um man they slung the ball around the yard a little bit today Kadarius Tony does lead the Chiefs in receiving yards today. Four catches, 71 yards. Uh, two explosive plays, I believe, uh, for him on the day as well. Okay. Yeah, we talked about the vertical stuff. I mean, Tony had a 38, his long was 38 yards. Uh, McKinnon had a 28 yard. I know that's on a screen, but then Sky Moore, 18 yard screen. MVS was, was 22 yards. And I believe that was on a route, like a deep comeback type route. Justin Watson had the corner route that was 27 yards. Blake Bell had the 17 yard catch, which 15 of it was in the air. So, like, they were throwing the ball downfield. And that's what I think that's what you wanted to see. Cause here's what the Chiefs usually do to when they get struggled. They throw the ball over the middle of the field to Juju Smith Schuster and Travis Kelsey, and it works really well. And when they're covered, Patrick Mahomes scrambles through the middle of the offensive line, attacks the line of scrimmage, and then throws the ball in the move or runs. Guess what Denver was taking away? Juju Smith Schuster and Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field. And anytime that Mahomes started to press the line of scrimmage up the middle, they collapsed on it really good. And I think that made him as hesitant as anything else was he couldn't do his traditional escape. He's gotten a lot better this year from not escaping out the sides, but trying to work through the middle of the offensive line. Denver took it away really, really well. So I think it was nice to see them have some answers. It was the vertical passing game. Even if they weren't hitting them at the rate that we wanted, they were still able to hit plenty of them as we just went through. And then they have the fine stuff. So the offense didn't execute as cleanly as we wanted, but I think they showed signs of things that you're going to need to see going forward in the playoffs to win, even if they weren't always connecting. All right. Hey, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching, it helps us grow the channel, all that good stuff. Let's talk defense a little bit. I think, um, you know, up and down performance, some high level moments, some low level moments, you know, on the defense, they kind of had that drive. It kind of feels like they've been having a lot recently where, you know, penalties kind of come back to bite them and they extend the mm -hmm. drive and, and, the, and the, you know, the opponent, you know, finishes in the red zone, but it wasn't all for, it wasn't all for not like there was still some, there were still some high level moments on the defensive side of the ball, Craig. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, defensive line did a good job of getting some pressure yet again. I, you love to see that coming into here. George Karloftis getting another sack, arguably should have had another one, although it was going to be a penalty that came down there. Chris Jones is a closer, comes up with a big stop on a run play that uh, that frankly had a lot of Chiefs fooled there at the very end of the game and then spins around, gets a sack the very next play. Great job, Frank Clark had a series where he was basically everywhere, came up with, you know, two plays on back-to-back, you know, on second and third down to force a punt. And then you see Trent McDuffie as a very effective blitzer in this game, coming out of the slot as LeJarrius Sneap was playing more on the boundary, comes up with a strip sack himself, forces a play that, you know, doesn't go much anywhere. So uh, you love to see that kind of performance. I do want to shout out Justin Reed. Justin Reed had a hell of a game today. He, he was he was very sticky on some opening stuff and some opening drives there. Came up with some big hits. Came up with some big stops. I know that the Chiefs defense allowed some yardage there in the middle of the game where maybe you can point to individuals there. Justin Reed was not an issue today. I know that we, we've had a lot of conversations about the Chiefs' safety play and how we're going to get better, how things are going to happen there. Justin Reed has steadily improved over the past several games. This might have been his most consistent front-to-back game, and it came with some splash plays as well. So shout-out to Reed for having a good day, too. The entire safety room has been playing a lot better since the, since the Bengals game, since Justin Reed called out the Bengals, and then they were kind of picked apart a little bit uh, in that game. So the whole safety room has been playing better. Brian Cooks made a couple nice plays downhill. Um, yeah, he got offensive pass interfering a play that he probably should have intercepted. Um, that was a bad call that changed a lot of how this game was going and looking, actually. But he still made some nice plays. Juan Thornhill was coming up and making tackles. He made some nice plays. Justin Reed was phenomenal. He's been really good the last few weeks, actually. And so you get this improved safety play, and you pair that with all of a sudden the Chiefs are like, wait a second, we can put Legarius Sneed outside so we can't just get bullied by big, uh, big wide receivers. And then we can put Trent McDuffie in the slot. And while maybe he's not as good of a blitzer and as good against the run as LeJay Sneed is, we're starting to see some improvement there too. I think there was a play early in the game where he probably should have widened a blitz angle he took when Jerry Judy came in motion and he stayed in a little tight and that allowed the Broncos to flip the ball out to Judy and pick up you know, a first down or positive yards. But then as the game went on, his rushes were getting a lot better. When he wasn't being stressed with something he probably wasn't ready for to make an adjustment on, he looked really good playing out of the slot, and that just gives the Chiefs all this different uh, just versatility they can play with on the back end. So now you have three outside corner, four guys that can play outside corner, and Snead McDuffie, and then you have you know Joshua Williams and Justin Watson. It almost feels like they're playing Williams and Watson based on sides, and so Snead's just staying outside and playing whatever side, depending on who's in. Watson seems like he's playing you know right corner for the Chiefs, Williams only left corner. And then Sneed's just bouncing around. So he's not even just purely shadowing other guys, although they did start out having him on Sutton. So just you're getting a lot more versatility out of the secondary. And they're all playing really well right now. It's more than just Sneed making plays. It's a little bit of everyone. This is something the Chiefs really, really needed. Uh, so it's nice to see that. They still, I think, have some issues over the middle of the field in coverage. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure we're going to touch on that here in a little bit. <laughs> but it was nice to see there's starting to be more guys making plays on the back end. And that's something this team's lacked. We talked about it all year. They don't have playmakers. It's Chris Jones, sometimes Legarius Sneed. Not all the time, though, because just where his role is, he's not always allowed to make plays. And then who else? Well, all of a sudden now you're starting to get a few more plays being made by other guys. So it's really good to see. 
I was really impressed by the tackling of Juan Thornhill today. Um, there's some more intentionality and physicality, I think, to what we've seen from him than in recent memory. So that was something that was really positive um, for for me personally, getting to see him do that a little bit. Um, I want to talk about, and so I've been the entire time, like while you guys have been talking here a little bit, I've been looking at some looking at some of the past rushers from the 2021 draft class. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know there were several guys. There were several guys that we were looking at that we that we liked. Um, and there were some guys that kind of taken the back half of the first round at the edge position. I'm looking at uh Quiddy Pay. He had four sacks as rookie year. Joe Tryon, or and then we'll go 30, 31, and 32. If you remember the Chiefs took drafted the 30. Yeah. Odafe Ola, guy we really liked a lot. Five sacks last mm-hmm. year. Greg Russo, 31st pick, four sacks. Joe Tryon uh Shayinka, four sacks. George Karloftis got his fifth and a half. There, I don't know how you're going to do the point five there, Craig. But I, I did the point five. My microphone's the, the point here. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, five and a half sacks on the year. I think he's yeah. got five a sacks in five of his last six games, playing a lot better. Some really high-level moments against the run. I think about that play later, you know, early in the game where he just completely displaced. A, it was a tackle or a tight end and altered Latavius Murray's path to the edge and allowed the rest of the defense to rally. I think actually it might have been the first drive of the game. But George Karloftis, like we're talking about, hey, look, four-man pass rush has to get better. Some people have to continue to, you know, improve. And, you know, we've got they've got to get some, you know, some help for Chris Jones out there. I feel like George Karloftis is providing a little bit more help as the season has gone on, and he's played a lot better uh, in the home stretch and done some really positive things for this football team, Matty. He really has. And I think what you're really seeing too is the roles of the pass rushers. I think early in the year, I think the Chiefs have really kind of adopted. There's some specific roles. And I wrote about it, you know, on the kcsn.substack.com earlier this week or last week. There is some specific roles they use in their pass rushers. Frank Clark has kind of been their speed rusher because he's their only guy that can be a speed rusher. I mean, it's and that's still not the best, but he's the only guy that can do it. But once he missed some time, once he got suspended, they had to kind of start substituting other guys in that role. And that's been one of the big like uh, upticks in Karlothis' kind of rush plan. You'll see him rushing wide. Yeah. Does he get pushed to 12 yards a lot? Sure. But when he wins, he's doing a good job of planting his foot and flipping his hips and getting a little bit of pressure up the arc. And that's how you're starting to see him come up with a few more quick pressures around the edge. And once a team has to respect Carl Loftus up the edge, because it's not, he's not going to blow someone away with his speed or his flexibility. It just kind of has to be time after time working on his power, opening those hips up and getting them around a tackle. That opens up his power counter moves, his inside counter moves for everything else. So that's what you see as he's given a little bit more freedom here to rush up the arc. It's allowing his better rush moves, you know, his interior pass rush moves, countering back to the inside to open up for him. And I think you're starting to see a lot more success for him earlier in the downs because his role's been opened up. And this also comes with Carlos Dunlap's playing better. Mike Dana has been really good as an interior passer. People got real upset a couple weeks ago against the Bengals. Cause Mike Dana got blown off the ball on a double team. He's been a really good interior pass rusher. So like I, you know, put him at three tech all you want. If you get caught with your pants down in a no huddle going from third down to first down, it is what it is. You're going to live with that. Cause he's been really good on the interior. I think everyone's playing off each other real, real well right now. And it's just the expanding of the roles for Carl Office has really, really helped a lot. And if you ever run into a team that Frank Clark has a read on their snap count, it becomes really difficult to block this team's front four. Like we talked all year about the front four not being the best pass rushing unit. 
if it's a game where Frank Clark's getting a read on the snap count and he really can give you that speed rush element with Carl Loftus's power, Dana on the interior, Chris Jones, Carlos Dunlap, they get really difficult to block at that point in time. I feel like every week we're talking about, hey, this might be one of George Karloftis's best weeks. And that's exactly where you want to be at the end of your rookie year. It's building. Like, gives you hope that this guy is going to be your guy, your starting guy for the entirety of his rookie contract. And he looks the part. That's not always the case when you're picking 30, 31, 32. The guys that Kent mentioned there. There are some other guys that... We also have seen picked in recent memory that have not turned into what Carl Loftus has been just this year alone. So that's really good. That's really positive. It allows the Chiefs to win in more ways than just, hey, Chris, hey, Frank, go out there and do it. Maddie mentioned it. I, I just want to dovetail right into this. The way that Frank Clark and Mike Dana work off of each other on these tech stunts is just outrageously good Mike Dana mm -hmm. gets a ton of pressure he got two early pressures on tech stunts you know we, we see these games happen up front often with with this Chiefs defensive line and when you're winning as the spike as often as Mike Dana is that's problematic because that's a quick win to the quarterback on a play that frankly can take a long time to develop because you're a looper there so that's really good Carlos Dunlap when you're play action booting to his side of the field it's bad like just don't do it. it it goes very poorly for you as an offense if that happens guys are stepping up guys are winning in individual roles I, it, it's so good to see it's even good to see on a play where you know the broncos offensive line see a blitzer coming with nick bolton they're they're obviously shifting focus towards chris jones car you know colin saunders gets a free release and he's got the ability to read it quick get upfield, get a quick sack, help the Chiefs get off the field or you know back up the drive a little bit more. You're finding more guys that are winning more often along the defensive line because they're winning their one-on-ones. We talk about it all the time. You're going to play this much of a four-man rush, and Steve Spagnuolo has not been as heavy as a blitzer as of late. If you're going to win with a four-man rush, you're going to see got times where guys like Chris Jones, Frank Clark, are going to get chipped, are going to get doubled. That puts it on the plate of guys like George Karloftis, Mike Dana, Carlos Dunlap, Colin Saunders, and all of them right now have really been performing above and beyond what we have seen or what we expected about the middle of the year. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. 
KC Sports Network. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you are uh, if you're watching this. Really appreciate. It. Leave some comments. Tell us how you're feeling after this game. We have some updates from Andy Reid. Uh, it sounds like Sky Moore had a hand laceration. Uh, so ruled out with a hand laceration is kind of interesting. I don't know what to take away from that. Joe Tooney will be getting an MRI. Um, it looks like he re-injured his ankle injury. We'll get more tests done tomorrow on his ankle. So there's that. Also, from Andy Reid, they still don't know when they're going to play in Week 18, but they are preparing as if they're going to play on Saturday. What I can tell you is if the game is on Saturday, there will be a party at the Holiday Distillery on Saturday. So come hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a link in the uh, description of this show where you can sign up. You and you can you can bring a plus one. Uh, there's some limited spots available, but make sure you sign up because this is going to be an absolutely great way to close out the regular season. If you've never been out to Holiday Distillery, it's beautiful out there. Some really cool, uh, you know, some really cool stuff to check out out there as well. So out there in Western Missouri. So yeah, just just some updates there from Andy Reid. Anything else uh, defensively that we need to? Like, what, 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 I know, like there was some stretches there. It was really bad, Craig. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no about the bad. Let's talk yeah, about. Yeah, let's the bad. talk about the bad. Uh, Nick Nick Bolton's not going to want to remember this game, especially in coverage. You know, we talked about the middle of the field, the safeties playing well. Um, a lot of stuff was put on Nick Bolton's plate in coverage this week, and it didn't show up in a particularly positive light. Nick. Once again, was good against the run, as he always has, you know, always is. You know, I, I I love the fact that we can see a running back kind of go into a pile, and if Nick Bolton's on the other end of that pile, there's not the extra one or two yards that maybe we've seen in the past. Like, you see him stop dead in their tracks right there. That's a very positive thing out of Nick Bolton. But because the Chiefs were playing so much two-man, that resulted in a lot more of Nick Bolton having to carry a tight end vertically or having to play an angle route against a running back or you know various things that aren't his forte. And the Broncos kept going to that and kept relying on that to move the chains, get some chunk plays, threw over the top of them, had one where you know Nick Bolton was actually in kind of a decent position to make a play on the guy and missed a tackle uncharacteristically, kind of overruns the play allows a big chunk play that that hurt this defense um that that was kind of the big problem at least early on outside of these penalties that we can also talk about here but that was kind of the big problem early on is that the broncos were consistently getting favorable matchups against chiefs linebackers and russell wilson was consistently able to take advantage of it because of the separation on them so that's something that you look at spags likes to be zone heavy Played a lot more man-heavy this game. That might be one of the things where they get to the playoffs. They're going to rely on a little bit more zone because you don't want to get caught in that time and time again as they did today. And the issue is they've, they've had the same issue in zone, too, going back. I mean, look back at the Bengals game, and I know it's an entirely different caliber of offense and quarterback and receiving options, but you go back to the Bengals game and their zone defense over the middle of the field was picked apart. And so the, the Chiefs are going to have a really difficult time balancing this right now because I while the safeties are playing better, they're still not striking fear to anybody. Nobody is afraid of the chief safeties over the middle of the field, making a massive game changing play. No one, not only are they not afraid of either linebacker making these game changing plays, but they're actively seeking them out because that's by far the biggest weakness and coverage the chiefs are having. And there's certain quarterbacks that are okay with throwing over the middle of the field. When you're giving up passes over the middle of the field to Russell Wilson, that means that the uh, book on your defense is out. Because Russell Wilson doesn't want to throw over the middle of the field. 
he hates throwing over the middle of the field, actually. Like, he despises it. He's made an entire career of avoiding <laughs> the middle of the field. Yeah, And yet, here we are against the Chiefs, and he's dropping passes over the Chiefs linebackers, around the Chiefs linebackers. That That's an issue. Like, that is 100% an issue, and I don't see an easy fix for the Chiefs. They don't necessarily have a better coverage linebacker to put in there. Willie Gay's more athletic than Nick Bolton, but he was on the field for some of these, and he was mm -hmm. getting it pulled out of position, or he was just not the one that was being schemed up in the man coverage reps, or in zone, he was getting pulled out of position. They don't have a safety that they can trust to read the field properly, rotate into the high hole while also knowing they're not going to get beat over the top with a still young and experienced quarterback room that, and let's face it, Joshua Williams and you know Justin Watson and his times, they've they've been given handsy. They've given up big plays and they've been getting bad penalties. So they still need help from the safety. So it's just the Chiefs are in a hard spot defending both vertical passes with young corners and the middle of the field at the same time. And this is, I guess, where it comes down to. Steve Spagnuolo got to get in his bag of tricks to make that work. Yeah. When you have two holes that compete with each other like that, it is up to your defensive coordinator to help that work out. Guys still have to execute, but your DC still has to help you out in that situation because the players aren't going to be able, you can't add help via players to each one. You got to be able to out scheme the opposing offense. Uh, and I do and, think, uh, uh, go, sorry, Kent. Yeah, I, well, I do I, think that, that as a blitzer, these linebackers have been good. Uh, Nick mm -hmm. Bolton. Swats a pass today, uh, does a good job. Nick Bolton actually does a pretty good job of tracking down batted balls. He's always around them when they're up in the air. I, I, you see stuff like that that's positive, but it, it just kind of comes with some of the negative there too. Maddie's right. Spags has got to find a way to make that work because you're, you're going to see game plans focused in the playoffs around exploiting specific players, exploiting specific tendencies, and right now that just happens to be one of them. Uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching, leave a comment. It really does help us grow this channel. We got 18 different Chiefs shows every single week covering this football team during the season. So I do have a couple more uh, couple more notes uh, that we've got from Andy Reid. And uh, Matt, Matt Derrick did profile Mahomes coming up uh, gimpy uh, late in the first half. Some speculated that perhaps some of the accuracy issues late in the game might have had to do with the injury. Andy Reid says he was worried at first after the play, but didn't think anything was impacting Mahomes mechanically to this due to this play. Boy, we saw that out route to the right at one point in time, and he 100% did not put his right foot in the ground. Um, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm purely speculating. I, I I'm nervous. wasn't reading into it at all, but, uh, he 100% made sure he was not planning off of, you know, his leg on a couple of these throws and he can make the throw without planning. So it's hard to tell if he's doing it because, well, he's Mahomes and he can, or if he was doing it specifically because it was a little sore or tender, but Andy's saying he's okay. I mean, it makes me think it's not a long-term thing. Maybe it was just kind of bothering him, swelling up a little bit within the game or something. I don't know, but it's just, it's worth noting at least at the very least. Uh, I'm always going to get a, a little nervous. Just the fact that Andy was worried at any point seems a little bit bothersome to me but he does seem good now other note uh this from goldman charles goldman oh and that was from matt derrick by the way make sure you credit him uh charles goldman andy reed uh with high praise for wide receiver Kadarius tony liked how he bounced back from the muff punt said it's uh just going to take some more time for him to get 100 acclimated on special teams and offense i mean I agree. I also think protecting the football is protecting the football. So uh, he fumbled well after the return. So he just needs to get down that probably a little bit. 
I don't think that's a I'm on special teams and I don't know how to carry a football issue. I think that's a I carried the football poorly issue personally. That's okay. He had a great game. I am not I'm not going to get too beat up about it, but it did obviously uh, it, it impacted that football game in a pretty big way. Uh, clear focus to get down at the end of the game near the red zone there with Patrick Mahomes screaming, get down, get down, get down. <laughs> more there when he's uh, when he's down near or was that Kadarius? I can't remember which one of them. It was Kadarius Tony. It was Kadarius Tony. It was Tony. Okay, yes. There you go. It yeah, was, was Kadarius Tony. And, it was. Yeah. It was. <laughs> uh, and it is time for our toast game pre- presented by Ben Holiday Bourbon. Got a little video to show you uh, their newest uh, in their line of wonderful bourbon. That is the Ben Holiday Brick House Proof Edition Small Batch. Uh, make sure you're checking them out. They are it's a it's a delightful it's a delightful bourbon. Uh, toast game time though. We're all gonna go around and uh, and, and give some toast game toast game. I'm going to go to Kadarius Tony actually for my toast game just because. Hey, look, he leads the Chiefs uh, in receiving yards today. Makes some big plays in the passing game. His impact is being felt this year when I don't think any of us, I don't know if we thought it would be this impactful this quickly for him. Uh, I know he made the mistake on special teams. I don't think he's going to make very many of those kind of mistakes the rest of the year. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in him, the player, and I've really enjoyed getting to watch him play. I think he adds an element to this football team that they desperately need for the home stretch. It's January. There's not a lot of time left. And I think that uh, Kadarius Tony is getting my toast game for the day. I think that's a good one. I I'm with you. I don't think I expected him to impact the team this much as a, as a downfield receiver as he has. So that, that's been nice. Um, I am going to go to the other side of the ball. We're going to go with Trent McDuffie um, because we talked about him a little bit, but the defensive coaching staff clearly trusts him. They have given him luxurious Sneed's role, which is a very important role in this defense. And that shows that they have trust in two guys, both Sneed and McDuffie to do all these different things. But then as it goes on, not only is the coverage play really good, we saw him make plenty of plays as a tackler versus the run or screen passes. We saw him on blitzes. We saw the good coverage. Like He's doing a little bit of everything you could possibly ask from him right now, and they're starting to put a lot on his plate. Here's a guy that we speculated maybe wasn't an ideal fit for what Steve Spagnuolo traditionally likes out of his defensive backs, and it hasn't mattered. He's starting to get more and more responsibilities faster and faster than most guys do in his Steve Spagnuolo system, and He's excelling each and every single way. I mean, even that final play where Chris Jones gets a snack, it's McDuffie flying up the arc on one side and Justin Reed on the other. They are forcing Russell Wilson to stay there and not get any deeper. So like his impact is there all over the place. So good game for McDuffie. He keeps getting better. We'll toast uh, out there to Trent. All right. I had two guys and I figured I was going to have to have a third because you guys were going to take both of them. You can't can't do my bit. I'm doing both of them. This is my bet. Jerick McKinnon, we already talked about him. Toast game to Jerick McKinnon. I mean, seven, seven touchdowns in five games. Like, that's outrageously awesome. Um, it, it helped spell some of the Chiefs' red zone woes that maybe they had in the middle of the season. It's helping them beat these man blitzes. It's going to continue. Like it's just it's going to continue. You can't peel that many guys off and commit to the blitz the way that you want to. You're not going to see guys 
be able to kind of coffee house out of a blitz and be able to stay over the top of McKinnon there. And oh yeah, if you try and focus too much on Jet McKinnon there, you got Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey in the red zone. So uh, props, toast game to Jarek McKinnon and toast game to Chris Jones. Chris Jones, the closer this week, gets himself to 13 sacks on the season. Obviously is the best defensive tackle in the NFL this season. This season, but he's been outrageously good. He's been really clutch in some moments this season. Walked off against the Seattle Seahawks last week. Kind of walks it off a little bit against the Denver Broncos this week. Showing up in big moments. And that's all you can absolutely ask for him when he is your best defensive players is to keep making plays in the moments that matter. So toast to both of those guys. Well, now I'm taking two. Short toast, Orlando Brown Jr. Still played good again, even when Joe Tooney had to go out of the game. I, I yep. OBJ, we, a lot of fans don't like him. He's still playing good down the stretch. So, you know, maybe we got to back off him a little bit. He played good even with the backup guard next to him. Did, did uh, I'm surprised nobody toasted anybody from special teams. Um, uh, I will have a full breakdown. I'm not joking. I will be writing about the hold, the the holding kicking operation this week, just so you guys know. So look that out for that on the KCSN Substack link in the description to subscribe. It's thirty dollars a year. You get all kinds of premium content. I'm legit going to be breaking down the operation. I held in My college. For, I held in college for three years. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but I I I know a little bit about it. So I'll tell you what Darkness. I know about the operation. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and do a second uh, toast real quick, but I'm gonna let Tucker Franklin I, I'm jump in here. here. I'm gonna let Tucker Franklin jump in here really quick. Tucker, I want you to jump in and give us your toast really quickly. Uh, and especially to kick off the new year. You guys really have to stop doing this to me. I'm not dressed to be on TV. This I'm is not, great. Buddy. You look I'm, great. You look I'm incredible. Not Golly. Well, uh, I got to I got to give a toast to uh to George Karloftis getting that f- fifth and a half sack. He only needs five and a half more to break that record now. Uh, so great. big game big game this week against the Raiders. Could do it. He could Didn't, do it. I think I think he's already been hit up for a toast game already here. Correct, Tucker? <laughs> no, he can. We can toast to multiple people multiple times. Why don't you just? Why don't you just? Uh, why don't you just toast to good health and get off the screen? To good health. I'll see you guys. Hey, never, never take him off my screen. I always want him on my screen. One more quick toast game. I think it's appropriate, and I will just read this quote really quick. Patrick Mahomes. I feel like I didn't play at the top of my game today. Uh, after a 328-yard, three-touchdown performance, he's right, but that's why he's the MVP. That's why he's the best player in the world, and he has eclipsed 5,000 yards for the second time in his career as a 27-year-old. To Patrick LaVon Mahomes, the MVP of the 2022 NFL season, another final toast game to you. And that... We'll do it for the KCSN post-game show. Thank you, everybody, to watch. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on the way out. Helps us grow the channel. You're going to get all the content that we're going to doing. Craig, Maddie, and I will be back tomorrow, 8 p.m., for the KC uh, Laboratory live show. Make sure you just check that out. Just a watch party of the Bills-Bengals, right? It might just be a watch <laughs> party of Bills-Bengals. Uh, you might be getting some very live, visceral reactions from us. Uh, but go Bengals! Catch you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. 
Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.